0: Amen. Rock Church, how y'all doing this evening? Man, I tell you what, there's nothing harder than trying to get up on stage and compete with uh, children singing Christmas songs and then the, re- the comeback tour of Mr. Hahn reading the Christmas story to the kids. Uh, why don't you put your hands together one more time, loud enough so they can hear you in the back? I will do my best, but as you can see from what I'm working with, that's not enough. So, um, I'll tell you what, last week Pastor Josh wore a tie. Uh, he just keeps raising the bar on me. I buttoned my shirt up today. That's like the best y'all are getting from me. Uh, Whew, Josh, stop doing that, bro. Anywho, welcome. Second week of this Emmanuel series, this Christmas series, 2023 here at The Rock Church. We are glad you were here. If you missed Josh's tie, you can go check it out online or The Message. You could watch it online as well. It's a beautiful tie. Um, but we're going to continue on in this series. Christmas, the most wonderful time of year. I think we all love Christmas. There are so many wonderful things that come to our mind when we think about Christmas. For example, picking out The favorite Christmas tree or whatever tree you buy on Amazon because buying real trees is a nightmare, right? Because you put it up once and then you throw it away and then you have little pines in your house for the rest of your life. We've moved twice since the last time we had a real tree and we're still finding pine needles from that first Christmas tree a decade ago or so. But uh, what else is there? Wrapping presents, Christmas lights around the neighborhood, hot chocolate, marshmallows by the fire, filling the Christmas stockings, watching Bean Crosby, Nat King Cole, or listening to them, watching Elf and Christmas Story, and you'll shoot your eye out and all those wonderful things. Cookies for Santa, putting the family dog in the ugly sweater. There's so many fun things that we're enjoying and participating in right now and in the next few weeks and yet as exciting as fun as all of those things are and can be truthfully none of those things have much of anything to do with what Christmas is actually about. Christmas is about the long-awaited coming of the Messiah, the world's waiting for the Messiah come into the world, this Emmanuel, this God with us. And unfortunately, and I appreciate how E.B. White, the man who wrote Charlotte's Web, says it this way, to perceive Christmas through its wrapping becomes more difficult with every year. I'm pushing 40 now, and I'm telling you, the older I get, the more difficult it is to get my mind and get my heart and affections right with what Christmas really actually means. There are so many distractions. I'll share an example. I'll give you a perfect story. A few years ago, I took my boy Wesley down to the jazz game. It was his first jazz game. He was like four years old. And the whole drive downtown, I was telling him about all of my experiences about how back in my day, we used to see the Utah Jazz in a place called the Salt Palace. Anybody remember that? three or four people? Okay, cool. And then I was like, in 1992, they built this brand new building called the Delta Center and then the All-Star Game came and I watched and Stockton and Malone where the all-star MVPs and the jazz were kind of good in the 90s and they kind of didn't, we won't talk about it, drama, you know? And I'm explaining all these things about how much this sport means to me and then we get there and we hand them the tickets and we get to our seats and we got popcorn and soda pop and pizza because mom wasn't there to tell us no and it was smiles all ears Ear to ear, and now I'm telling him about this game. Why are we here? Why are people screaming? Why is it so loud? I'm explaining to him, basketball, and those are the good guys, and these are the bad guys, and you bounce that orange ball into that hoop, and if you shoot it from here, it's worth two points. And if you shoot it from back there, it's worth three points, which is kids now, that's the way they play basketball. Nobody actually plays. They just went to the half court line and Steph Curry, you know. Pickup ball's ball a joke. Anyway, anyway so I'm explaining all these things to him. This is so awesome. But it all fell on deaf ears. He couldn't be less interested. He got himself distracted. You see, something rolled onto the court after that first timeout, and it stole all of my boy's affections in hopes of him understanding and appreciating the game. Can you guess what that distraction was? This guy. <laughs> the moment that dude That bear man, dude, walked out onto the court. My boy was gone. For the next three quarters, Dad, where did the bear go? Hey, Dad, look, he's shooting people with silly string. Hey, Dad, look, now he's shooting people with a t-shirt cannon. Do you think he'll shoot me with a t-shirt? Hey, Dad, can I get a t-shirt? Hey, Dad, is he a real bear? Hey, Dad, does he have kid bears? Hey, Dad, is he married? My boy could not care about the actual game the jazz bear took over. The point is, if the jazz bear is why you're going to the jazz game, you've completely missed the point. (laughs) He's nothing but a distraction. And in the same way, Christmas and its lights and its trees and the eggnog, they're just distractions. They just drown out what's actually important. What what of primary importance is what we've titled this series, is what Scripture very clearly tells us about Jesus Christ. He is the Emmanuel. He is the God who has come to be with us. So if you have your Bibles, you could go to John chapter 1. We'll be there for just a moment. Uh, But just to recap a little bit, Pastor Josh. Last week, he kicked off this series. We looked at the account of the birth of Jesus. We talked about the virgin birth that we find in the historical account in the Gospel of Matthew. And we talked about how Jesus Christ is fully 100% God and the virgin birth and how it is absolutely essential for us to have a right understanding that God would come into humanity as a baby in the person of Jesus Christ and do that which only God can do. Jesus is God, and we looked at a whole bunch of implications with that, and we're going to go to John chapter 1 here for just a moment, and these aren't your typical Christmas verses, but what they are teaching us, what they are telling us about who Jesus Christ is, is exactly what we celebrate at Christmas, and that we celebrate every day. So I want you to notice something here in John 1. First, when we get to this, it says, in the beginning was the word. What John is saying here, this is a very philosophical, loaded, weighty term to explain who God is. See, the Greeks would have knowledge as information, and so he's trying to present the gospel and explain it to people who wouldn't have much of a religious background. So he's talking about this word, means logos, who was in the beginning, This beginning before Genesis 1-1 was this word. And what John is telling us is that this is Jesus. So when you see word, insert Jesus Christ, the God-man, the second person of the Trinity. Listen to what these are telling us about Jesus Christ's divinity. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So first What John is telling us is that Jesus Christ, who came into the world 2,000 years ago, is eternal. There's never been a moment where the second person of the Trinity has never existed. In the beginning, before Genesis 1-1, before the creating of the heavens and the earth, God the Son, this Word, Jesus Christ, is and always has been eternally God. There has never been a moment in the second person of the Trinity's life, where he was not God. Second, Jesus Christ is equal to God. The Word was with God. This word with means face to face, it means equality. It means there has never been a time where the second person of the Trinity has ever been anything but fully God. Third, in verse three, all things were made, all things were created through him, this Word. Jesus Christ is the creator God. Genesis 1-1. Who is that? In the beginnings, God created the heavens and the earth. John is making a connection with the Old Testament. The first book in the Bible and the first book in the New Testament, we're making the connection that this God who always has existed is Jesus Christ. And then... John writes this, if you scroll down a little bit to verse 14, this Jesus Christ, this word who is eternal, who is equal to God, who is and always will be God, who created all things, verse 14, the word Jesus Christ became flesh and dwelt among us to live with us, to lodge with us, to be with us. That's what Christmas means, the Emmanuel, God with us. What a declaration that is, am I right? How do we pack the unpack this? We it's too much. It's it's profound that God, who created everything, would come to us. How can it be? How do we explain? How do we wrap our minds around this truth that the ancient of days became an infant? How do we do that? How do we understand the one who sits on the heavenly throne steps down to lie in a manger? The eternal God who breathed life into man, who sustains every breath in your lungs in this very moment, now depending on the nurture of his mother laying under the twinkling stars that he created. How do we explain the? It's too much. There's not enough words. We don't got enough time. The unfathomableness of this, and yet... The simplicity of this we call Christmas. This babe we find in the manger was our God who came to dwell with us. And so now the glaring question is simply, why? Why would the creator of heaven and earth do this? And why is it such good news? Why do Christians, why do we get so excited about Christmas that God would come to us? If you'd like to follow along, a few quick, brief ideas, big ideas for you this weekend is very simple. We could not come to God, so God came to us. Our relationship with the Lord has been severed because of our sinfulness. We could never go to where he is, but God, in his humility, he clothed himself in humanity, in human flesh, to come to where we are, the creator became a man to do for us, to do for man that which we could never do for ourselves, to live a perfect life and to provide a perfect sacrificial death to atone for our sins. It's remarkable. In a world full of religions and spirituality that has you at the center and has you trying to work and you figure it out and you clean yourself up and you prove and accomplish certain things in order for God to love you, Christianity and Christmas is unlike all of those. It's good news. None of that is good news, by the way. If it's up to you, I'm looking at y'all, you're looking at me, that's not good news for anybody. But if Christmas declares God who created us, who sustains us, who knows all of our sin, who knows all of our rebellion, who we have been separated from, comes to dwell with us and rescue us, that is good news. I love how the early church father, St. Augustine, a hippo, says it like this. Awake, mankind. Wake up. For your sake, God has become man. If I could get one thing through your Christmas foggy brain this season would be this. God coming to dwell with us means you matter to God. You matter to him. Christmas rightly understood is the declaration that God is not distant. God is not unapproachable. He has come into our world for your sake to draw near, to draw closer, to minister, to love, to teach, to relate to you, to identify with you. He comes into our world to live like us, to put on his love and kindness on display for us. So the Christmas story, yes, it begins with a baby being born in this manger, but it doesn't end there. Jesus has not come to just be born and be handed some frankincense and like, what do I do with myrrh? What's that? But he came to live and then he came to die. This baby. You see, the Christmas tree that we put up to celebrate the arrival of the Messiah ultimately points us to another tree, doesn't it? The cross of Jesus Christ. There's so much I could spend the rest of our time focusing on, but here's where in my heart and in my mind and how I, I feel like the Lord has been pressing on me in my quiet times as i been wrestling through the Christmas verses is that Christmas means you matter to God. And Jesus Christ being fully God and then becoming man for our sake demonstrates this in such an incredible way. And that's what I want us to wrap our minds around for the rest of our time. Jesus' humanity, it's important to us because it means this, Christmas. God with us proclaims that in your humanity, in your brokenness, in your trials, in your burdens, in your fears, it proclaims that Jesus understands and he sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter four. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. What he's saying is we don't have this God who's just sitting on some throne with his back turned to us, not paying attention, who we are unable to come to. We do have a God, a high priest who can sympathize with us. One who has come and he is in every respect, every way he's been tempted, just like you, yet without sin. And so therefore, let us with confidence draw near, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace. So the author of John, this author of Hebrews and John, they're telling us this Emmanuel, this God who came to be with us, this baby in a manger grew up and lived and he experienced everything that you and I have experienced. And he lived and experienced it perfectly, never once sinning. And yet doing every single one of those experiences, having every experience of humanity for your sake. And what's incredible about this is that God doesn't have to do that for anybody, okay? God does not have to relate to any of us. He does not need to incarnate himself, for anyone or anything. He does not need to sympathize with anyone. He does not have to experience weakness. He does not have to get himself tempted. He does not have to allow us to draw near and come and get mercy and grace. He doesn't have to give us any of that. He'd be perfectly right and just to just give us what we deserve. He doesn't owe this to anybody. But God in his mercy... In his eternal plan of redeeming a fallen humanity, Jesus has come. God has come in his mercy, in his grace. God became man for your sake. Wake up to this beautiful truth that Christmas proclaims that God has come to us. He is approachable. And so this means, I wanna unpack this for a moment. Think about this. The things that the Lord Jesus Christ experienced The same limitations, vulnerabilities that you and I did. Think about this for a moment. Have have any of y'all ever been tired? Are any of y'all tired right now? Can I get an amen? (laughs) Anybody just overwhelmingly tired and just beat up? Do you know that's something that the God of heaven and earth understands about you? God got, Jesus Christ got tired. I'm not saying God needs to Take a rest, right? We believe that God created the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested. Guess who didn't need a timeout? God didn't need a seventh day. The the Sabbath was made for who? Y'all, okay? God doesn't need rest. But as an example, he's like, I'm gonna take a nap. Y'all should learn and take some advice from me. Anywho, (laughs) God becoming a man in his humility, he humbles himself. He puts on the frailties and limitations of man for your sake. The Lord got tired. Jesus would be teaching all day. He'd be healing people, pouring out his time and energy. And after a long day, because Jesus Christ was fully man, he said, yo, guys, I'm pretty tired. I'm pretty sleepy. It's sleepy in here, right? Matthew 8, we read about Jesus healing a leper. He goes and heals the centurion's servant. Then he heals the apostle Peter's mother-in-law, I believe. And then they bring, like, uh, demon-possessed people to Jesus, um, sick healing all these people, teaching, and the disciples finally get Jesus away from all the people. They have to literally put him on a boat and ship him off into the water to get him away from everybody. And he passes out, right? Just passes out. And then Jesus is sleeping on this boat and there's this storm crashing on the boat. And you know it's bad when fishermen who work on boats all day long have to wake you up and say, hey, it's so bad, I think we're dying. And we see that Jesus is sitting there nappy, wiping the boogies out of his eyes, and then he has to calm the winds and waves, right? Think about that. But Jesus was asleep. He got tired. They had to wake him up. They had to wake up God who created the waves. If any of you feel tired, worn out, weary, beat up, exhausted, physically, emotionally, gassed out, if that's anybody in this room today, Jesus understands that. And he can sympathize with you. That's what makes Christmas so beautiful. Additionally, Jesus understands our emotions. Did you know that? Those emotions you're feeling right now? Now, now before I just say and paint this picture that Jesus was just this sad little Eeyore just moping around all the time, I want you to understand Jesus was full of joy, okay? He, He is full of joy. He went to parties. He was like the guy who turned water into wine at parties, right? This is somebody you wanted to hang out with. He smiled, surely he'd laugh. Think about the bonehead disciples that he hung out with. You know how hard it would have been to not crack jokes with and at them for three years? I'm sure Jesus Christ was ripping them apart. It was hilarious. He had a personality. Think about when he interacts with the religious people. Oh my goodness. He tells the religious guys who have the first five books of the Bible memorized before iPhones, okay? These guys just have Torah memorized. And Jesus would walk up to religious guys and he'd say, have y'all ever read the Bible before? Do you know how funny that is? That's so offensive. That's like the OG. Get yourself canceled. He literally—they did cancel him. But he, then another instance, he's making fun of a man. Y'all are so religious. You tithe so well. You even tithe from your spice rack. That's so impressive. He walks up to religious guys again. Y'all are pointing out the specs in other people's eyes while y'all got logs in yours. That is so funny. Jesus cracked jokes at the religious people. It was hilarious. But also, Jesus had emotions. He had feelings. He experienced sorrow in Mark 6. It says he has compassion on the, he sees this crowd, these people, these people who are lost, sheep without a shepherd, and he has compassion on them. Jesus wept. His friend Lazarus dies. If you've ever lost a loved one, you understand weeping. Jesus experienced that. He understands that. Jesus, under, Jesus understands anger. Jesus got mad and yet never sinned. That's pretty impressive, right? Y'all can't do that. You can try. Good luck. Um, he looked around people and he got angry. He grieved at the hardness of people's hearts. He looked at sinful man and it broke his heart. It made him angry. False religion. People who are oppressing people made in the image of God made Jesus angry. Self-righteous people who thought that what they could do and accomplish was better than what Jesus could accomplish on the cross for them, that made the Lord angry. The religious leaders who put hurdles in place of people preventing them to come to God, that made Jesus angry. His language was heated towards the hard-hearted who refused to believe him, and yet he never sinned. So Jesus understands anger in a way we don't understand, but anybody mad today? Anything? Jesus understands that. Additionally, Jesus understands pain. He was emotionally betrayed, manipulated, misunderstood, taken advantage of. He was physically harmed and tortured. He sweat and bled and cried. This baby born in a manger, he grew up to experience the most horrific pain and agony to sympathize with you. That's what makes Christmas so beautiful. So Jesus understands joy and happiness. He understands incredible sadness and sorrow and grief and anger. He understands your pain because Jesus Christ, fully God, became man. Jesus fully man understands and he can sympathize with you. Jesus understands disappointment. His final moments when he was with his disciples before he was to be handed over to be betrayed, it says in Matthew 26, he says, my soul is sorrowful even to death, right? Sorrowful. He's like, boys, I'm about to be killed in just a few moments. They're going to rip the flesh off my back. They're going to nail me to a cross and hang me up to dry and humiliate me in front of everybody. And all of y'all are going to abandon me. But right now, could you just stay up a little while? Would you just remain here with me for a minute? Would you watch with me? Would you pray with me? And his disciples went to bed. Have You ever had someone fail you? You ever feel like you give and give and people just take and take? Have you ever been deeply hurt, let down by someone? God becoming man means that Jesus has experienced the same things and he can sympathize with you. Our Lord understands disappointment. So do you see Jesus' humanity? It is essential for us to rightly understand rightly understanding who he is. He is fully God and he is fully man. And in Jesus' humanity, it demonstrates to us that God in his love and his compassion for us steps into our world and becomes like us, burdened and hungry and tired and sorrowful. This is what often gets neglected when we celebrate Christmas, if we're honest, right? But Christmas means God with us. And God with us means you matter to God. My friends, if you do not know Jesus in this way today, I I implore you, you impress this on your heart, that the God of heaven and earth, the God who sustains you right now, loves you in such an incredible and passionate way that he would step into our time and space and this side of history to dwell with you because you matter to him. Jesus left his throne of eternity to be born a helpless, vulnerable baby. Ultimately, Christmas means this. Emmanuel means this. God with us declares that Jesus Christ has come to seek and save the lost. That's what it says in Luke 19. This has been God's plan from eternity past to come and to seek and to save the people whose sin and rebellion and religion and anger has separated them from God. If you've been with us for any of the last 32 or 33 weeks here going through the letter of the Romans, we hear this every single week. In Romans 5, it says that while we were at our worst, separated and sinful at enmity with God, Enemies of God, he becomes a man in the person of Jesus Christ, and he demonstrates this great love for us, and he rescues mankind that is at war with him. He comes to save his enemies. Christmas is the first proclamation of that. There's nothing in the world like this. How could we ever explain the kind of love that Jesus has for us? Nothing can compete. Religion all day long, it's just about man trying to get themselves to an unapproachable God. There is no gospel there. Gospel means good news. That is bad news for everyone who is under the umbrella of works and religion. Christianity and Christmas is the incredible celebration that the approachable approachable God has come to rescue us. That is gospel. That is good news. Jesus was born to demonstrate, live out God's perfect love for us. So back to the verses in Matthew that Josh brought us to last week. This virgin Mary, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, not might, not give it the old college try, might kickstart it up and then you try and go fund me, do what you can to try and contribute. No, no, no. He will save his people from their sins. That's it. Christmas is God declaring that he will save his people from their sins. You see, you and I have plenty of that stuff, sin is so serious. It is so severe. And there is nothing we can do to avoid the judgment that God requires the penalty for our sin. It is death. That is what Romans 6 says. The wages of sin, what we've earned, what, we're, what we deserve for all of our sin and rebellion towards God is death. That's what we cash out. Death and taxes, right? Except when you die, you avoid your taxes. Death front of the Lord is a f- terrifying thing. We cannot pay this off. There is no working it out. There is no coming to a settlement. There is not enough community service or tithing or giving money to a charity or cause. And all of those things are great, but none of those things have the ability to cover your sins, okay? But then there's all these promises that we've looked at. The reality that Jesus Christ is God and he is fully man and he's experienced and he's lived and he's atoned to seek and save us That's what we declare on Christmas. God has invaded our world. He has called a time out and he has responded to us sinners with love and grace and forgiveness and hope and eternity by becoming a man in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, Christmas is God's merciful response to sinners. And those who believe this truth, who trust in this promised Savior, will experience his love forever because he has come and he will save his people from their sins. That is who he is and that is what he does. That's what he still does. So I ask you right now, my friend, are you his? The Christian in this room proudly proclaims, yeah, I belong to him. I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. But do you, my friend, do you belong to him? Do you desire to be his people? Do you desire to dwell, to be known, to be loved by this God who created you and has become man to sympathize and live and die for you? Do you want him? He has come to seek and save you, my friend. He can be yours. Awake, my friend. For your sake, God has become man. So as we wrap this up, I so badly just want to encourage you to wrap your hearts around the reality that God came to dwell with us in the person of Jesus Christ. The God who you and I could not come to, so he came to us, right? Christmas is the declaration, the proclamation that God is no longer distant. That's so beautiful, God with us means that Jesus understands and he sympathizes with us in his humanity. In your humanity, if you feel tired, you feel beat down, you're feeling discouraged and disappointed, overwhelmingly sad and grieving, Jesus sympathizes, Jesus knows. He says, come to me, I'll give you rest. Maybe today you just feel absolutely rejected, not good enough, betrayed. Christmas is for you. It means your life, your experiences matter to God. Jesus is the Emmanuel who has come to experience all of these things you've experienced. He totally understands you. And Jesus has come to seek and save the lost. That is what makes Christmas so beautiful. The God of heaven and earth drew near to be with you. For your sake, God became man. And he is available for you today, my friend. You can come to him just as you are. You can leave this room with God as your savior, friend, and king today. Just enjoy him and take him and experience him and be with him forever. He can be yours. It's the best news you'll ever hear. And your story will forever be incomplete and empty without him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to see that the Christmas season is so much more than the presents and the eggnog. It's so much more valuable than gold and frankincense and and myrrh. It's about the greatest gift You, Jesus Christ, the God of heaven and earth, coming to us to live for us, to die for us, to rise for us, to conquer sin and death and the devil and the grave for us, to demonstrate your great love for us. So you came into our world as this helpless babe in a manger. Lord, we need you now. Would you help us to remember these truths today and every day? And Lord, I pray for my friends in this room who do not know you as their Lord and Savior and friend and King. God, who do not know that their sins have been paid for, that they would trust in you, that they could have a whole new life of forgiveness and joy found in you. You will save your people from their sins. My friend, if that is you, if you are desperate, You are done with the religion. You are done with the failure. You're done with the sin and the baggage and the shame. You can bring it to Jesus, who on the cross says, it is finished. You give all that to me. Give Jesus Christ all of your sin. You turn from your sin today. You say, Jesus, I know it's Christmas and we're talking about you as a baby, but Jesus, you grew up and you became a man and you died for me. That is such good news and I want to take it. Jesus, if that is true, if that is who you are, would you please take all of my sins? Would you give me a new heart? Would you draw me closer to you? My friend, if that is your prayer, God is working now. He is seeking and saving the lost. If that is you, you tell Jesus now, Lord, I'm yours. We'd love to help you take those next steps. If that's you today in this room, you can find me. You can find anybody on this stage. Well, probably not the kids because they'll, the kids' parents, <laughs> anybody, person sitting next to you. My friend, if today is the day you're like, you know what? I'm done just trying to do things on my own. I'm ready to just follow the Lord Jesus. So that's you, why don't you come talk to me, okay? We would love to help you understand this, what it means to follow and walk and enjoy Jesus the rest of your days. All God's children said, "Amen." amen.